going to talk this uh, morning and over the next few weeks on the concept of getting focused. Uh, it seems like in this day and age, it's more difficult maybe than it's ever been to get focused, to, to focus on the things that matter in life, uh, to stay concise and streamlined on what uh, we, we, are, we are about as people, as believers, as children of God, as the body of Christ, of, as ambassadors of another kingdom that is to come. The book of James chapter 1 verse 5 says it like this. If any of you lack wisdom, raise your hand if you lack wisdom, just kidding, don't. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Every, every wife in here said, knew it. Every husband said, I've been telling you for years, you know. It's not that I meant to leave my socks laying around. It's that I lack wisdom. It's not that I meant... I'm just stop right there. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not. Now, upbraid is, is not a hairstyle. Upbraid means God doesn't reprimand when you act, ask for wisdom. Like if my children came to me and they said, Daddy, I don't know how to, like here's an example. Uh, not too long ago, uh, Walker Lee, he, he, he's seven years old. He was six at the time. It was actually several months ago now that I think about it. And he likes to ride his bicycle. And the chain would pop off of his bicycle because he doesn't understand that you're supposed to keep both tires on the ground. He likes to have one in the air and he wants a ramp all the time and that kind of stuff. So the chain pops off of his bicycle all the time. And so I said to him, I said, listen, and I told him exactly like my father said it to me, and I'll never forget it. I said, I'm going to show you this one time, and then after that, you'll have to do it yourself. Now, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, if I have to do it again, so be it. But it worked for my dad, right? So I, I take him over, and he goes, Dad, the chain came off. I said, I'm going to show you this one time. And, and I put the thing on there, and I, I rolled the thing around. And, and since then, he's been putting the chain on his bike all by himself. But I didn't get mad at him when he asked me for wisdom. Do you see what I'm saying? I didn't tell him, you should have known that. No, uh, last night we were fishing. We caught 14 in about 30 minutes. I'm not bragging, but I'll brag the rest of the service if you don't clap. You know what I'm saying? We caught a bunch of fish. And, and he, was, he was sitting there because I was catching like three to his one. And... and Mainly because when he would get a bite, I would jerk the pole out of his hand. No, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that. But he said, Daddy, I don't understand. I said, well, here's the deal, baby. I said, there's, there's a technique to it. I'm just not letting that fish take my minnows, man. These minnows cost money. Daddy works for money. I said, these minnows aren't stealing our inheritance. Glory to God. So the fish are out there and they're biting on it. And I said, there's a technique. I said, that fish going to put it in its mouth. I said, then you got to set the hook. You got to pull that thing back and pierce that fish's lip. You know, it's kind of popular in 2016 to put an earring anywhere. So you just pierce that fish's lip, you know. And that's what we're doing. And he said, he said, I get it. So now I put mine down. I got his out there. He's sitting there. He's kind of pulling on it. The fish is kind of playing with it. I said, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. I said, jerk it back. Wham! And boy, his face lit up. Because there's one thing about catching a fish. It's a whole other thing when you stick that sucker's lip. I'm just telling you. Some of you are like, what is he even talking about? You fishermen are like, glory to God. I wish somebody should have been saying that for years. But he got it. But, but here's the thing. It's not, I wasn't frustrated with him when he wanted to know something else. 
God is the same way. If there's an area of your life where you lack wisdom, now it's a very broad word here, uh, wisdom, it just means knowledge in different areas. You don't consider somebody wise that can do one thing really well. You consider them skilled in that area. But wisdom, that means most of the time you have a pretty good understanding of a lot of things. One thing that comes to mind is the, 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 the old movie uh, Karate Kid with, with, with Mr. Miyagi and Daniel. And, and, and he always considered Mr. Miyagi super wise, so he would listen to him. Sometimes it would take him some time to listen to him. But he considered him wise in multiple areas. I've been privileged in my life to be around some very wise people. Some very smart people, some people that have a good understanding of lots of different areas. But God says this, He says, if you lack wisdom, if you need more knowledge, if you need more understanding of different areas, say you're going through your marriage and you're like, man, marriage I just don't think should be this rough. The Bible says that if you'll ask God to give you wisdom, He might expose something that you're doing or not doing. See, most of us, we want to pray that God would expose to them what their problem is. But most of the time, when you really get serious and ask God, He doesn't expose somebody else's problem. He exposes what's going on in your life, what's going on in your heart. And now you have the ability to change the situation all because in the middle of your uh, storm, in the middle of the sea, you decided to ask God for wisdom. And He's not going to reprimand you for doing that. You know, some of us, we have the feeling, I should be further along than I am right now. Listen, don't let the devil lie to you. You have an accuser. He is the devil. Never speak for your accuser. You just consistently speak what the Bible says about you that says you're more than a conqueror through Christ. So he said, God says, I'll give liberally anybody who asks. I don't, I don't mind telling you. I ask for wisdom all the time. God, make me wise. Make, make me smarter than I am. When I preach, God, I want them to hear your voice, not my voice. When, when I preach, Lord God, I want them to hear what you say. When I write these notes down, when I'm praying, God, I want to be better than I am. I want to be so full of wisdom that people leave here encouraged and empowered. God, when it comes to pastoring the church, I need wisdom. i got to know when we're going to do, when we should do, when we shouldn't do, when we should slow down in one area, when we should speed up. And run. I don't mind telling you, I'm asking for wisdom all the time. And I'm not, I'm not asking a God who's going to reprimand me for asking to be more intelligent. For asking me to be more wise. He says he'll give liberally and it shall be given. Verse 6. But let him ask in faith. Everybody say in faith. Come on real bold. In faith. Nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Anybody that, wa that wavers, you are affected by the elements. See, I can't, I can't tell you what the elements are going to be in your life. I can't tell you what the elements are going to be in my life. But in the name of Jesus, the elements are not going to affect me. I'm going to affect the elements. Which is to say something like this. Uh, when Jesus was, was in the boat... Uh, uh, going across to a place called the Gadarenes. The disciples, it was the middle of the night, and the disciples were up, and they were steering the boat. And Jesus, the Bible says, was asleep in the very back of the bottom of the boat. And, and a storm rose up and tossed the boat so that all the disciples were terrified, and they thought they were going to die. They were, they were crying, and finally, they did the one smart thing they did all night. They went and talked to Jesus about it. When you have a problem, listen to me, don't leave Jesus sleeping in the back of your boat very long. Just go get him up. 
You know, have you ever had that moment where you're like, you're like, oh man, all we can do is pray now. Well, if you just started praying in the beginning, maybe you wouldn't be where you are today. I don't know. So maybe they wouldn't have been so scared if, if the minute that the storms came, they said, hey, Jesus, can you take care of that cloud? Jesus probably would have wiped his eyes and said, sure, poof. And then he could have got a little bit more sleep on the way. But they went and woke Jesus up. But, but, but the situation is, is real simple. They're going across. They're in the middle of their situation. And all of their circumstances are causing and dictating how they act and how they respond. Smith Wigglesworth, one of the great... Uh, 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 men of God who's gone to heaven before us who did countless uh, uh, had just an amazing ministry he said this he said I am not moved by what I see I am not moved by what I feel I am only moved by what I believe there's a place in God where you can get where you determine that the elements are not going to affect you no a wave can't tell itself where to go the wind has to tell it where to go but you're not a wave the Bible says that you are in the likeness and image of God the Bible says you're a new creature in Christ old things have passed away and all things have been made new so in your life you have the opportunity not to be like the waves that are pushed one way and pushed the other Uh, if a ship drives by it changes the, the course of that wave no 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 you are the righteousness of God in Christ you can determine where you go how you you get there when you're going to get there and it all comes down to what you believe it all comes down to whether or not you're going to believe in faith for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord now I'm not going to stay here long but here's what he just said if you don't ask God in faith there's no reason for you to believe you're going to get it sometimes my kids will say this to me well, I'm talking about my kids a lot today sometimes my kids will say this to me You're probably going to say no, but. And then they'll ask the question. And I'm like, if you come to me like that, you guaranteed I'm going to say no. Now, if they come to me and they say, Daddy, only you can do this. Only you, Daddy. Only you can do this. I know. I can't do it, Daddy. Only you can do it. Can you please ask Mom if we can have some ice cream? Now I'm sitting there thinking, only me, glory to God, I am the ice cream ambassador of the house. Crystal, in Jesus' name, can the kids have a little bluebell? (laughs) You hear the difference? I make light, but you hear the difference? You go to God, oh God, if you're not too busy, the earth is his footstool. Oh, God, if you're able. He holds the seas in the palm of his hand. Oh, God, if it be your will, he who would not withhold his own son, what would he withhold from you? You go to him like that, the Bible says clearly, it's hard for us to believe that we're going to receive. But if you make your request known unto God by going boldly before the throne of grace, knowing that you're covered in Christ Jesus' blood, one translation says that you are literally clothed in Christ, you walk in there and you begin to magnify God by entering His gates with thanksgiving and entering His courts with praise. You walk in and say, Oh God, there is none that compare to you. You are stronger than a thousand sunrises. I know it by life I can't do it, but oh God, you can do it. The doctor said one thing, but King Jesus says another thing. The lawyer says one thing, but the great... There's a difference in how you go to God. 
It's probably a no, but I'm going to ask anyway. I feel like Eeyore when I say that. Hello, Winnie. It's probably a no. No, it's how you go to God. The Bible says when you ask, ask in faith. Faith is the evidence of what we can't see and the substance of what we hope for. Evidence is the tangible factor of the intangible stuff. The opposite of faith is doubt. My kids come to me and they say, it's probably a no. They entered into the conversation with doubt. You ought to enter into the conversation with God so full of faith and so full of vigor and so full of fire. You say, well, how do I do that? You speak of things that are not as though they were and they will be. You begin to call things forth in your life. You say, i got a kid that's living like hell, living in the wrong place, acting the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing. Well, bless God, you need somebody in and over their life that will speak the Word of God over them, that will declare that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I raise my children the way they should go, and when they get old, they will not depart from it in the name of Jesus. Oh, it's how you come to God. You come to God in faith. You come to God believing what's going to happen. Verse number 8, and this is where we want to get to. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Bump your neighbor and say, get focused. Double-minded. Two visions. Two visions. Uh, another, another I'm, I'm, I, I like words, you know, I look at words all the time, so I'm, I'm always looking at them. Division is really kind of two words. It's vision and die. Die means two. Division. So literally when you have more than one vision, you have division. And most oftentimes when you have division, one or both are going to D-I. One or both are going to D-I-E. One or both are going to die. That's why it's so important where you're planted in the house of God. That's why it's so important. If you're trying to decide if this is the place for you, we have a meeting tonight called New to New Heights at 6 p.m. I'll be here. My wife will be here. Uh, some of our other pastors are going to be here. We're going to answer questions about the doctrine of the house. If you don't know what doctrine means, uh, it's a real good meeting for you to come to. If you don't know what you... You need to know what we're about. What's the vision of the house? What are we about? I'll tell you in a nutshell. We're about reaching the unsaved and the unchurched. That's what we're going to do. Every light bulb, every song, every word that I speak is designed to strengthen the people that know God and to pull the people that don't know God from the grasps of death, hell, and the grave and pull them into the kingdom of God. So for us, uh, uh, New to New Heights is a way that you can understand the vision of the house because hear this, and you won't hear this many places, if you can't get behind this vision... Glory to the Lamb of God, but I want you in a house where you can get behind the vision of the house. The last thing we need is division. The last thing we need is D-I-V-I. The last thing we need is for an, uh, a man who is double-minded, a person that is double-minded, is unstable in all their ways. I want you to be so stable that the house that you live in, the home that you have, the beliefs and the structure is congruent with the house of God that you serve, the house of God that you pour into. I want everything in unison because if you can get one vision, if you can be about the same thing, the Bible says in Acts chapter number 2, Jesus had just gone to heaven 49 or 50 days uh, previous. 
uh, not, not too long before that. He was crucified uh, 49, 50 days before that. And he goes, and the Bible says that all the disciples are in a place called the upper room. And the Bible says they were in one mind and one accord. One mind and one accord. Now, what does that mean in 2016? It means they all had the same vision. They were all in line with the vision. Jesus said to sit here and wait. Bless God, we're going to sit here and wait. Well, how long? I guess till Jesus tells us the next step. Some of you, God told you what to do. You're doing it, and you're trying to figure out, am I missing God? Well, you didn't miss God the first time. You're not going to miss God the second time. Sometimes God just shows up at the intersections of your life. But a double-minded man is unstable in all in all of their ways. We, we, you you got to have a vision and you got to be focused on it. And you got to get serious about it. Everybody say, number one, consider the source. Where you get your information should determine the gravity of the information you receive. We have a Bible, it is finite. We have a Bible, it is the living Word of God. We have a Bible. It is what we use as our filter to view everything else. In 2016, your children are being taught things in school that are not in line with God's Bible. In 2016, we don't watch the news at my house with the children around because you just can't risk it. We don't risk it, okay? There just could be something said. Uh, we, don't, we don't watch the political speeches with the children around. We, don't, we just don't. I mean, the only thing my kids watch is Lassie pretty much on TV. And we've had to have some conversations about that. Dad, I just don't understand. I mean, why did Timmy's friend say that? Like, well, it's not real. What? Yeah, like Lassie's an actor. Lassie's a dog, Dad. I said, well, well, Lassie's not really doing that. Like, Timmy's not conversing with Lassie. And they look at me, they're like, have you seen the show? I'm like, yes. But it's not real. It's, it's different. So we just don't watch TV. And I only bring this up to say this. The other day, I get a text message from Crystal, and, and she does this often. We, ha- we, we write down all the funny things that our kids say. We, we have a journal that's just ongoing, all the funny things that our kids say. Because, you know, they're going to turn 18, and, and, you know, 20 and all those things. They're going to get married. They're going to go off. And, and I want to have record of all these wonderful things so that when Crystal and I are sitting there missing our babies, we can open it up and say, you remember when they said this? You remember when they said that? We just love them, and I don't care what anybody thinks about it. But anyway, we're writing down all this stuff, and she texts me, and this is one that was going in the journal. It's, it's Trinity, who has one of our old iPhones, because, you know, we have $47,000 worth of iPhones at our house. And all of our kids get them. They're not active or anything, but they get them so they can take pictures and all this other stuff. And she says, Mom, this is Trinity, she's four, Mom, I need my phone. She said, Donald Trump is texting me. And I'm like rolling on the floor laughing, you know. And then I get another text. She said, I asked her what he said, and she said, he wants me to come preach for him. <laughs> Not me. He wants her to come preach for him. She said, but it's too far. I'll have to ride in a plane. Now, again, she doesn't watch Donald Trump on TV. We, we listen to the, I mean, they listen to the Christian radio. I don't even have an antenna on my truck. So I don't, I don't, have a, I don't listen to the radio. I usually listen to messages and, and things like that. But, but I don't know where she got it. What I'm trying to tell you is the world is coming against us. The enemy of God is coming against us. 
So we have to consider the source of the data that we are ingesting if we're going to keep our focus. We have to consider the source. There was a man named Moses. You guys would remember him if you've been in church more than five minutes. The Bible says that his mother uh, 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 had Moses at a time when the Egyptians were trying to kill all the baby boys. It was a spirit of abortion that had ransacked Egypt. It's the same spirit that's on America today trying to kill all the babies. But they, they, they wanted to kill all the babies, so his mother put him in a basket and put him in the river, believing God, that, 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 that God's will would be done in his life, that he was going to be a great deliverer. And it was. He was rescued by the princess, uh, the, son, the daughter of the Pharaoh, and was raised in the, in the palace. And then uh, one day, uh, the Bible says that as he got older, he walked out, and so he's, he's, this, he's treated like a prince. And, and all the Israelites are slaves. They're building uh, Egypt for the Egyptian. All the Israelites are. And the Bible says that Moses looks around and he sees this Egyptian uh, beating uh, an Israelite, beating an Israelite, being, being very harsh to him. And, and the Bible says that he premeditated what he was about to do. Uh, you can read this in, in the book of Exodus chapter number 2. But he premeditated what he was going to do. He looked around, he looked left, he looked right, and then he killed the guy. Moses was a premeditated murderer, which would be capital one nowadays. And God still used him. I'm just trying to figure out what's our excuse. So anyway, he kills the guy, buries him in the sand so that nobody would find out. And, and then the next day he goes walking around and he sees two Israelites arguing. And, and, and they said to him, they said, he said, man, he says to the two Israelites, he says, you guys quit arguing. He said, what do you like the Egyptians? You know, they're bad enough to us. We shouldn't argue ourselves. And they looked at him and they said, oh, Mr. So-and-so, Mr. Live in the Palace Man, Mr. Mr. Doesn't know what it's like to make bricks for the Pharaoh, not one. You don't even have calluses on your hand, Mo, and you're trying to tell us how to live. What, are you going to kill us like you killed the Egyptian?" And Moses, oh, now he knows he's caught, he's busted. So literally he flees off into the wilderness. And out in the wilderness is where his destiny began to bud and come to life. But here's the point I want to make. Moses was there his entire life. And it's like one day, one moment, one instant in time. And he saw, because certainly the Egyptians were brutal to the Israelites his whole life. It wasn't like it started that day. But something lit on the inside of him when he saw them doing that to his brothers, uh, when he saw them beating them, something lit on the inside of them and all of a sudden, number two, he recognized that his calling was all around him. Sometimes we miss the forest for the trees. Sometimes we're looking for God to do something in our life. We're looking for God to show us the next step when God is saying, I put people all around you that I want you to minister to, that I want you to witness to, that I want you to sow seed into their life. The Bible says that one plants, one waters, and God brings increase. He said, I've got people all around you. But sometimes we just miss the fact that our current calling is around us wherever we are. It's different when you live for God. You, you can't just go uh, going through life. The problem in what we have to deal with is we have to deal with the distractions. We have to deal with, with all the, the stuff we've got. Uh, and, and by the way, Micah, who did our announcements today, I thought he did a phenomenal job. You guys give Micah a hand. Phenomenal. 
New Heights Church, we will have the brightest and the best young people raised up as lions for the house of God and the kingdom of God. And whether they're here for six minutes, six months, six years, or 60 years, when and if they ever are sent somewhere else, they will be prepared and ready to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ in any and every moment. They'll be ready to win one person to God, one-on-one. They'll be ready to win their friends and family in a small group environment. They'll be ready. Some of them will minister to tens of thousands of people at one time holding a microphone just like this. And they will be ready in the name of Jesus. But for us, we, we get these distractions. So no offense, Micah, but Facebook and all those things that you named this morning, they can be a distraction. Your, your, your co-workers, your job, you got, you got 700 different after-school activities. Ooh, it's quiet in the Lions Club. Kiwanis, Rotary. We got, we got all these distractions. We've got 88 uh, uh, television shows recorded on the DVR. And we haven't prayed five minutes in five weeks. I'm looking up so that I'm not. <laughs> it's these distractions and they, they make things harder to focus. The Bible says, what shall it profit a man if he would gain the whole world and lose his soul? Mark 8 and 36. What does it profit a man? Now listen, God said, I came, uh, Jesus said, I came that you may have life and life more abundant. Uh, John, uh, whenever he wrote, uh, whenever he wrote his third uh, book, he said this. He said, he said, above all things, his third letter, I wish that you would prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. God doesn't want you to be in lack or poverty or anything. He doesn't want it. Nobody that was ever poverty stricken ever sent a missionary anywhere. It just didn't happen. My brother goes to Cuba two or three times a year and every single time he has to buy a plane ticket because it's too far to swim. It takes money to put the gospel around the world. Thank God that God has all the silver and all the gold. Thank God that He supplies our needs according to His riches and glory. However, not one of the worldly possessions that you can attain, not one of those things is worth your soul. Some of us uh, might not make too much, might not uh, be in a position where we're not making enough money. We might just be making too many bills. I don't care if, if, if the new iPhone came out or the, the 17 of your favorite movies came out and you just got to have them tomorrow. Listen to me. There's a place in time where you got to get wise in all the areas of your life. And as for me and my house, we're going to serve God in every area. That, and again, I'm not telling you God won't open the windows of heaven because that's what He'll do. But, but we need to be wise in the process. The Scripture calls it like this, to be good stewards over what God has given you. That means if you're sitting there going, I can't afford to tithe. Well, bless God. You eat out seven days a week. This message is not about tithing, by the way. But we got to get focused. We got to get focused. Number three, it's not worth it. Nothing, and I mean nothing, is worth your soul. Nothing, and I mean nothing, 
is worth the calling of God on your life. Nothing, and I mean nothing, is worth the anointing on your family. Nothing, and I mean nothing, is worth your witness. Number one, we got to consider the source. Number two, we got to recognize our current callings all around us. Number three, it's just not worth it. I love the song, and I won't sing it, but it says, Lord, you are more precious than silver, more costly than gold. Nothing I desire compares to you. We got to get focused, we got to retrain our focus. I always talk about hunting when I preach. I got to stop that. But I go hunting. I, I like it. And when I travel with firearms to go and go hunting with, when you get to where you're going, you have to make sure you're still accurate with your weapon before you get to the moment when you need your weapon. In our life, we've got to get good at retraining our focus on a consistent basis at recalibrating our focus. I was with a group of people this week and I said, we're about to pray that dangerous prayer. Oh God, if there's anything in me that does not please you, I ask that you would expose it to me that it may be removed in the name of Jesus because nothing in my life compares to the value that I place on my covenant with you. We've got to refocus. We've got to shift everything. We're getting close to Easter. Easter's our time, y'all. It's like anti-Halloween. If you like Halloween, stick around. I'm going to teach you on that too. I love Easter. I love Easter. I love it. I'm not giving up Easter. I like the eggs. I like the bunnies. We give our kids the chocolate. We do the whole nine. But around our house, there is one primary focus on Easter, and that is the devil is a liar. The keys to death, hell, and the grave were snatched from the grasp of his twisted hand and given over to the body of Christ. I've held the hands of people who have crossed over into eternity and gone to be with Jesus walking on streets of gold and there's never been a more glorious thing that I've experienced than to see them go. I've been with people that they weren't certain where they were going and we had done everything we could to win them but it was a horrible event. The uncertainty that plagued the family for years and generations. Easter is our time. So what I'm asking you to do this Easter season, listen, this is our time. This is resurrection season. I'm asking you to refocus. Number four, let's keep the main thing the main thing. There's people that God has put in your life that you can minister to, that you can drop a little seed, that you can invite them to the house of God where I'll do what might be uncomfortable to you. 
I'll do what might be difficult to you. I will hit them right between the eyes with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's the situation. We're going to do everything we can to get the presence of God pleased with this house. We pray all week long. Our worship team prepares all week long. We're in constant preparation. We have a a prayer team that literally prays over this place almost 24-7. They're in constant prayer over this building, over this house, over this people, over our people. It's our situation in God. It's 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 our calling. It's our joy to serve God. But in your life and in my life, sometimes we don't get the opportunity to go with that. Like winning people to God in this environment is like the easiest I do. That doesn't mean that I'm not sowing seed everywhere I go. Crystal knows now she doesn't even hardly ask anymore. I'll go to the truck and I'll sit down and I'll go, ah, be right back, boom. Because I just had an encounter and as I was walking I had the thought, what if that's the only one I get with them? And I'll go back and I'll say, hey, 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 man, I just wanted you to know, God loves you, Uh, where are you from? We'll teach you how to witness to people one-on-one. Where are you from? You know what everybody's favorite subject is? Them. Where are you from? Uh, there, there, there's a theory out there. It's called seven degrees of separation. Uh, they say it's within seven degrees of a person, a relationship or friendship or family, you, you have a connection with somebody. So I, I use that. Not, not like the seven degrees. That sounds Illuminati or something. But what I'm saying is, is I say, well, where are you from? Well, I'm from Florida. Well, immediately we got something in common because I know where Florida is. <laughs> Bless God, what part of Florida? The South. Yeah, I've seen that on a map. Glory to God. <laughs> Two or three questions in, they're starting to break down a little bit. Not like break down. They're starting to soften a little bit. I say, hey, what's your, what do you know about God? What do you think about the Lord? What do you, what, what do you think? Oh, you know, I love, you know, God, I believe in Him, you know, I'm not sure. You know, I was raised in church, whatever. I wasn't raised in church. I don't believe in religion. Yeah, I didn't ask you about religion. Uh, what do you think about God? And then I just began to, whatever, sometimes I get an opportunity to lead them to God right there. Other times I, I just, it's not working. I said, well, here's the deal. I said, man, I go to a great church. It's called New Heights Church. I'm going to write it down for you. And I write it down for them. I said, anytime you can be there, I love it. And I said this, I say, I always say this. I said, if you see me there, make sure and say hi. <laughs> I never tell them I'm the preacher. I was driving through Starbucks this morning, and, and I'm, I'm getting my coffee. And, and the, the, the young lady who's waiting on me, she says, she says, she says are, are you the pastor at New Heights Church? And sometimes I want to go, uh, Why? Because I'm trying to figure out, did I just cut somebody off in traffic? I mean, what just happened? I get honked at a lot. I, I don't know why. I think they just honk because I'm a good driver. Toot toot, way to go, driver. Everybody speaks horn. Even non-drivers speak horn. Like if you're at a stoplight, and you're at the stoplight, and somebody's behind you, and they're like, toot toot. That's like, hey, bud, you're probably busy, but go ahead. I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> and then there's the other that you're at the stoplight and it turns green and you haven't noticed it and they're behind you and they're like, wah! And that means blank, 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 get out of the way. 
you're driving along and, 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 and there's a dog coming across the road and you slow it down, you're like, toot, toot, get out of the way, puppy. And then you're driving along and there's a cat coming down the road and you're like, <laughs> You can send your messages to info at newheightschurch.com. I do like cats. I can't eat a whole one by myself, but I do like cats. We have three cats, because you never know if Y2K, we're going to have to eat something, right? How many cat jokes are legal in a church service? Number four. Everybody say number four. Keep the main thing the main thing. Paul preached on the street. He was entrusted with our gospel. He was a murderer and a witness to murdering of Christians. His name was Saul. He was transformed by the power of God. His name was changed to Paul. And as soon as his name was changed, his life was changed. And he began to minister the gospel everywhere that he went. It was so personal to him and so interesting and important to him that he called it my gospel. He said, this is my gospel. He liked bringing the good news to people on the street. And then they said, you can preach on the street, but don't you preach in the temple. He said, well, bless God, I'm going to the temple to preach. And he would preach the gospel in the temple. And then the Bible says that he was arrested and they put him in the lower parts of the prison. And the Bible says the only thing he could think to do was have a praise and worship service. And when he had the praise and worship service, the chains fell off of his arms and off of his friend's arms and an earthquake shook the building and all the prison doors opened and the Bible said that he began to share the gospel to those people and then the guy who kept him was about to commit a suicide commit suicide and Paul said don't commit suicide I've got good news to you and he preached the gospel to him and then the next day uh, the jailer said hey they want to release you but they want to do it quietly he said they put me in here publicly they will release me publicly he said you tell them to come and tell everybody that I've been set free because I didn't do anything wrong he preached the gospel on the street he preached the gospel in the temple he preached the gospel in the jail And then when he got out, he kept preaching the gospel. He kept the main thing, the main thing. And then the Bible says that they really got onto him and they put him in prison for a long period of time. And he realized, he said, after he got all the people that looked after him saved and won to him because he had so much favor with him, the Bible says that he wanted to talk to the people that loved him. He wanted to talk to the churches that he, that he helped to establish and he helped to uh, increase. And he says, well, I really can't talk to him and email won't be invented for about 2,000 years. Can somebody get me a pen and a piece of paper because I've just got to preach this gospel. Paul kept the main thing, the main thing at every every area of his life. And for you and for me, sometimes we get to the place where we're looking so far in the future, we're missing the fact that our calling is all around us right now. You've got people that I'll never reach. You've got people that I'll never be able to talk to. I I got these, our worship team, which, by the way, we have the best praise and worship team on the planet. But I tell them like this, they come in here with their hair looking crazy and their clothes looking weird. They got zippers on their shirts on the side of them now. I didn't know what to do with that. But then I tell them, I said, listen, you guys keep doing you because you balance this whole thing out. There's people that don't want to see a young man wearing a suit, but if somebody will have a zipper on the side of their shirt, maybe they'll listen. Paul said it like this, I became all things to all men that I might win some. He kept the main thing, the main thing. Somebody help me preach in here. We got to focus. We can't be just, we can't just be haphazardly living our life. 
We can't be letting the politicians tell us what right and wrong is. We have to consider the source. The Bible says what's right and wrong. We've got to recognize that nothing is worth losing our soul, our family, the anointing, the power of God. And bless God, we've got to keep the main thing the main thing. I'm going to ask you to do something for me. We're believing God that this Easter is when your friends and family are going to get born again. We're believing God that this is the season and this is the year. But it's going to take focus. James, as we consider the source, was not just a disciple, he was Jesus' brother. He was with Jesus more than any other disciple. Stayed in the same house. Jesus might have fixed his dinner every now and then. How interesting would that be? But if we consider the source, James says, when you ask God, do it in faith and don't waver. In 2016, we would say, when you ask God, believe that he's going to do what you ask him to do and don't let doubt sneak in. 